it's a brave new world. Jamie and I are going out of town next weekend. We're we're we're, we're traveling a little bit. It's crazy. Um, oh my God. Yeah, I don't mean to brag, but uh, I got a haircut this week. Uh, which you what, son of a bitch. What kind of a Look fucking world this. are we living in? Where a hair, just the act of getting a haircut is like, guys, I'm not showing off. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I'm i about ready for my third at-home haircut. Brutal. The first one, I think, came out okay. Second one was utterly shit. Yeah. <laughs> just, it was shit. Who I don't even know what it looks like, but I'm starting to get a little mullet here. It's happening. I don't like it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of The Daily Screening Asks. Does it hold up? Hopefully this week. I don't know. We're going to find out. We we have had a string of no, it doesn't and for a while. It's Wait been a it's let's, been a little, it's been re- very touchy. Well, I wouldn't even say that. I would say it's mm. we've had a string of uh, Daily is a little forgiving and Bart has no time for this shit. <laughs> and, and Bart hates movies. Yes. Okay. <laughs> So we're 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 ho- we're hopeful this yeah, week. Yeah, we're hopeful for Dick I, Tracy. I mean, like we're gonna Dick find Tracy out. Redeemer. How was your week, man? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> Mostly, that's <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> I mean, I what is what was this week? What was last week? I it was honestly, Memorial Day weekend. Regular... It's still Memorial Day weekend for you. That's true. That's we don't true. we don't I have mean, that most... here in New Zealand, but. It's kind of sad, maybe, that the most regular, consistent, time-marking event in my life is the the weekly recording of this podcast. (laughs) That's pretty bad. The daily screening, Uh, here to mark the passage of time. (laughs) Oh, God. You built a a Um, bench. Yeah, but that was this weekend. It's pretty impressive, man. Like, your ability to construct furniture, whole cloth... Or whole lumber as it is uh, is pretty like I, that's not a skill that I have, and uh, I am genuinely impressed by your ability to just create something out of nothing with a pile of wood. Thank you. Um, it's been a long. I haven't built anything in like ten years, so this one I was. I think that's why it took me so long to get started. Was um, I think the secret is allowing yourself to be okay with fucking it up and maybe needing to go buy more wood. Does your bench have like drawers or anything or is it pretty much just like a surface no. upon which to make things? It is a surface upon which to make things with a vice and okay. it is structurally astonishing. It weighs approximately 18 tons. <laughs> and I'm pretty I'm I'm very confident that in real life it could hold a refrigerator. Could it hold a car? Maybe. It's very strong. <laughs> well, I was like, going to say, is, I mean, is, I imagine yeah. on the grand scale of furniture making that like a workbench is, unless you're going to build like, you know, drawers or, you know, like hinges or whatever onto it. Like really the point is just that it's sturdy as fuck and it's level, you know, like as long as it's, as long as it's flat and, and it can take a beating, then that's, that's kind of all it really needs to be. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, and, and, and it needs to be handy. Um, which is why when I finished it, I was like, hmm, what do I have around that would make this more useful? Yeah. And so I had our old like magnet, magnetic knife thing that used to be mm. in our Oh, like a magnet apartment. strip? Yeah. But it's like a strong magnet. And so I was like, uh, we're not using this because there's nowhere to put it in our new kitchen. So I just screwed it to the side of the bench. And so it's like when I'm building something and I have to switch drill bits and I, spend, and I misplace the fucking thing. And then I'm going to spend the next 10 minutes trying to find it. 
now I'll just stick it on the magnet and it's just there. Um, and so I like I put a little place that I tied a pencil to because I'm always losing my the pencil. And then I spend way too much time trying to find the fucking pencil. So it's little things like that. But yeah, it needs to be strong and level. Not that my floor is fucking level, but whatever. Yeah. Um, anyway, but now now the fun can start. Next, I think I'm going to be building a shed. Well, I had a one-year-old's birthday party over Zoom yesterday, which you were a part you of. You sure did. I was. That was something. That was some hot nonsense, my friend. <laughs> I, I really didn't know what to say to anyone. Um, yeah, no, just witness the chaos. I think was that was the correct strategy. <laughs> well, you're. I mean, I mean, it was certainly fun to watch everyone mm-hmm. <laughs> react. the The only real interaction I had on that whole call was when your dad was trying to remind me that I live in the former capital of the Confederacy, and I was like, <laughs> "I'm aware of that." Thank you, Stephen. Like, <laughs> at one point he disappeared. Like, we went to make. We went to give the baby the cake. Wait, we can't do the cake. We can't blow out the candle. Where did my dad go? He was just gone. It was just a phone pointing at the ceiling for three minutes. And then he came back with like a full steak, just like on a fork. He was like, my steak was burning. I had to go get my steak. This is what happens when my dad lives by himself for two months. (laughs) All right, let's talk about Dick Tracy. Yeah, let's let's talk about Dick Tracy, man. Uh, This is the 30th anniversary. Much like Ninja Turtles came out the same year. Where were you at walking into it? Like, did you... Do you remember seeing this as a kid? Like, do you have fond memories? I remember the kid was really annoying. <laughs> I re- no, I'm serious. I yeah. remember that. I was like, this this kid is gonna fucking piss me off. I like this is gonna be like watching Terminator Two, except younger. Um, in my head, it was going to be artistically overdone, just overcooked. Okay. I remembered the big reveal about who the blank yeah. was. Yeah, yeah, no. Or face. as or as or as Jenna was calling him, her. I think it was. I think she called him. Sergeant Thumb? (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) Something. I don't... Whatever. Anyhow... Just just um, to skip ahead for a second. I actually really like... Because you can't see the face most of the time. Like, most of the time, the the no face is kind of in shadow. So you can see that there mm -hmm. are no... There's no defining characteristics, but it just looks like a blank face. And then at the very end, when you actually get to the reveal and it's like properly lit and it's like blank, but there's like the two big like nostrils yeah. in the center. There's no nose. There's just a holes in the center of yeah. a blank face. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck do I do with this? Um, anyway, so yes, I remember that Madonna was the thumb. I knew yeah. that the whole time. More than anything else, upon watching it as an adult, it reminded me of a few things. The big one was Batman the Animated Series, hmm. which came out in 92, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah. this is actually earlier. But also, this is a year after Batman 89. Yeah, this is heavily influenced by Batman 89, for sure. Yeah. And then it made me think of Sin City. It made me think of Sin City a lot, actually. Yeah, I had the yeah. same thought. So that's where I was with it. What about you? Yeah, I... I definitely remember seeing this movie as a kid i don't believe we owned it um in fact i'm pretty certain we didn't own it but i feel like it's something we must have rented like a couple of times um or or i had a friend who owned it or something because i definitely saw it more than once um when i was a kid i was big into uh like the novelizations of movies for a while like i remember reading definitely read the novelization of this um, I think I rem- I remember a novelization of like the Ghostbusters movie and especially Ghostbusters two. Yeah. So I definitely think I had the Dick Tracy novelization at one point, but I don't. I ha- certainly haven't watched it in a really long time. I remember having yeah. sort of 
vaguely positive memories of it i definitely remembered the no face reveal like that that was stuck in my head for sure and beyond that i you know i didn't really remember any of the details you know it, it's funny like i i could not tell you when i last saw this but i know that i've seen it at least several times because i remember specific shots hmm. in the same way that you only remember specific things from childhood like in this in the shot where he's beaten up I don't know the the kid's pimp. I'm I, the um, pimp. <laughs> I, I don't yeah know. no the the drifter Steve the drifter I think his name is or Steve the tramp Steve the tramp that's his Sh- name sure sure let's go with that Steve the tramp when he's beaten up Steve the tramp like I remember that wide shot of of the shack rocking yeah back and yeah forth. back and forth yeah I, I remember I remember that and I don't I didn't remember that I remembered that but when I saw it I was like oh I remember this yeah I remembered go suck an egg when I <laughs> yep. saw it. I remember the when do we eat but montage. I remember that. Yep. This is why we do this podcast, right? Because I had a very, I had like a very vague memory of um, the scene at the beginning. Uh, he's got lips manless in the box full of, full of cement. Um, and then it, the Paul Sorvino. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, and we're, let's, we'll get to the insane cast of this movie in a minute. I remember that sequence pretty well. And then that, it immediately cuts like right after that to uh, Big Boy and the dancers, and he's like directing the nightclub routine. That I had like a yeah. vague recollection of like that's a thing that happens in this movie, but I was not old enough to appreciate the fucking insanity of like how how great that fucking sequence is. Just like five I... full minutes of Al Pacino as like a hunched back mafioso Bob Fosse just running it's around so... yelling at backup dancers. It's it fucking so... hilarious. It's also just bizarre. Yes. Like I too remembered that scene upon seeing it. I don't remember it being that long. Yeah, no, it goes on forever, and it is fucking hilarious and pointless. My friend Joe Morella on uh, Facebook, when I asked people, "Hey, what are your thoughts on Dick Tracy?" said that this was uh, where he thought Pacino was starting to become like self-aware of his sort of image uh, and like almost self, like self-parody, like in the way of like Christopher Walken. Mm. And, like, Nicolas Cage is great in his bizarre acting choices, but Al Pacino does not get nearly enough credit in this world for being a fucking maniac. And this is a movie where he was just let off the leash. They just let him do whatever the fuck he wanted and rolled tape, and it is a thing of beauty. Like, upon seeing that very extended sequence with the dancers, I was like, so basically, this was somebody saying oh this is too good to cut yeah i feel like that was supposed to be like, like five seconds of footage before before uh Beatty like kicks in the door and instead they were like no we got like 10 minutes of this shit it's all going in <laughs> yep we just like i'm not cutting this out yeah like i feel like somewhere so, like an editor or the director who is warren Beatty, right yeah warren um, Beatty had, had had a soliloquy in real life where he was like i would be depriving the world of this if I cut it. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, let's do a little history here. Uh, this is one of those movies that was in development forever. Like, there were a million iterations of this movie, like, over the years of different stars and directors and, like, angles and pitches on it. Like, dating back to the 70s. At one point in the 70s, I like I made a list. At one point in the 70s, 
there was a version of this movie that was going to be a musical starring Sonny and Cher. Oh, sweet Jeebus. Yeah. Nope. Um, the only movie that I want to star Sonny and Cher is Groundhog Day. And, <laughs> you know... Here are some directors who were at one point attached to do this movie. Uh, Spielberg, uh, Scorsese, Walter Hills, Tim Burton, uh, and Bob Fosse himself, actually, which makes the Pacino dancing scene like all the more great, you know? I had a lot of questions about timing with this because I was thinking about Batman 89. Which one started first? Batman definitely started first. Like Beatty and various people who worked on this thing are sort of on record as saying that they were influenced by by batman 89 okay okay fair enough i want to keep talking about the development part for a quick second because there's a lot of other oh there's more there's more dude there's so much more at one point uh macaulay culkin was uh sought after for to play the kid um and no shit he turned it down to do home alone Good choice. Yeah, very smart choice for Macaulay Culkin. Though, 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 incidentally, we did. Did you happen to Google the kid? Oh yes, I did. Um, you did. Okay, okay great. Because here's the thing about the kid. Uh, uh, yeah. What is it? Charlie Cosmo is his name. Uh, he yeah. was like the it kid for like five years or so, maybe in Hollywood. He had this crazy streak. He did this. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did what about Bob? Uh, he did Hook. Uh, which is another movie we're going to get to at some point. Um, that one I'm saving yes, for Jamie to come on because Jamie wants to talk about Hook. But and then he and then just he quit. <laughs> and then he quit acting. He was just like, nah. He he basically said, I read an interview where he basically said, like, I got into it because I didn't want to go to school. <laughs> yep. And then, like, did you look yeah. up what he's doing now? Yeah. As yeah. An adult? Well, like, then he came back. He Jesus. he popped back up again as a teenager. He was in uh, Can't Hardly Wait. Which was basically, uh, I think, oh. in a big way. He's the nerd. He's like the, the head nerd kid in Can't Hardly Wait who gets wasted. Yeah, and then he disappears for a while. And then he goes to law school. Uh, and he yep. beca- becomes a law professor at Case Western. Yep. He got appointed to some uh, like scholarship commission by Barack Obama. Um, uh-huh. And I think he's currently like a member of the Federalist Society as well. Which is like... I don't know ugh. something. What a weird... Yeah. What a weird career. Yeah. Charlie Corsmo is like the child John Cazale. You know, he made like five movies and they're all fucking amazing. I mean, he's still alive. Who is John Cazale? John Cazale is, uh, he's Fredo Corleone. Oh, Fredo. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fredo. Okay. So, sure. do, you not, do you not know this? About, do you, have you never heard this before? Cazale's no. from Boston, actually. Um, he made like five movies. They're all fucking amazing movies. And then he died. Uh, but his so his batting average is like a thousand. He was in The Godfather. He was in The Conversation. He was in The Deer Hunter. He was in Dog Day Afternoon, uh, and and Godfather too, and and then that's it. That's a solid career. Yeah, yeah, it's unreal. So uh, other options for Madonna, and you, you're going to see there's a type here. Um, uh, Kim Basinger, um, mm-hmm. Michelle Pfeiffer, and mm-hmm. your dad's favorite Sharon Stone. Okay, so two bad girls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and a Catwoman villain. Sharon Stone was the villain in Catwoman, so. <laughs> was she? Yeah, the Halle Berry that. one. Yeah. She was like an evil Didn't makeup executive. It was real bad. Sure. Sure. If I remember correctly, she's an evil makeup executive who basically develops some kind of like mm, special makeup that like makes her skin hard, indestructible. She creates like... like foundation that makes her skin indestructible or something ridiculous like that so she's 
Luke Cage meets CoverGirl. Yes, basically, very much. Cool, 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 cool. That seems... Maybe it's radioactive Maybelline. I don't know. So, okay, and then there were a million people who were attached to play uh, uh, Tracy over the years. Yeah. De Niro. uh, Mm -hmm. Nicholson. Harrison Ford. Richard Gere. Mel Gibson. Paul Newman. Robert Redford. Newman? Yeah. How old is Paul Newman in 1990? Uh, pretty old, but I mean, but like I said, this thing was in development since the 70s, so I think that was like back in the 80s. Okay, somewhere. well that, okay, okay, okay. Dude, That's, okay. George C. Scott was attached at one point. I would watch the shit out of that. Yeah, right? I want to see that fucking version of this movie. Um, yeah, and also uh, Tom George Selleck. Miller direct it. Tom Selleck as well. With or without a mustache? I mean, he, can you, I'm sure he would have had to shave it, and could you imagine? Like... I, I don't know what he looks like without his mustache. Yeah, me neither. I literally can't imagine it. I feel like he's a little bit like uh, Samson, right? It's the source of all his power. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. So let's get into the movie itself. Yeah. There's a couple of big things we're talking about here. I'd say the first is, yeah, the the massive cast. Like everyone and their mother show, even if they literally show up for 30 seconds with no dialogue a la Catherine O'Hara mm-hmm. or Kathy Bates. Mm-hmm. This is a murderer's row of fucking talent yeah. in this movie. Warren Beatty, Madonna, Al Pacino, William Forsythe. William Forsythe, like, I didn't... That blew my mind. And we could talk about... We'll talk about the prosthetics in a minute. But William Forsythe plays Flat Top, And he is unrecognizable. Because that guy's been in everything. Yeah. And as soon as you see his face, you're like, oh yeah, that guy. Wait, that guy plays Flat Top? That's fucking nuts. Yeah. Glenn Headley? Glenn Headley. So we watched Dirty Rotten Scoundrels fairly recently. I don't know what else Ugh. she's been in, but I feel like she's just one of those 80s actors that... Oh, she yeah, she was in she was in a ton of things. She's like around, but you never know that she's there until you see her. Like, oh, it's her. I can never remember her first name. <laughs> I always want to say it's Leanne, and I know it's wrong. I adore her in this movie. I think she is so great. Like, I think as written, that part is a little like a little flat it's like a little it could very easily be like a like a wishy-washy like she's just sitting around waiting for tracy to you know propose to her basically mm-hmm. other than like a few like choice moments like when the kid steals the money off the diner table and she just says do you want to break you want a broken arm without even looking at him like that's like a great ballsy little bit but like yeah. that the character could be so flimsy um but i think she just has this natural like energy that she brings to it where she's both like you can't help but just like fall in love with her she's so just like sweet and wonderful and open but yeah there's like a there's a level of like toughness under the surface that she brings it sort of makes the character feel three-dimensional yeah i think as an actor she just has a look about her Mm. that makes her like makes you think she's smarter than she's letting on absolutely at at all at all times it's the same thing in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels and in this, it's just like, she just had, like, you look at her and there's more than is in the script. Yeah. Um, that being said, I feel like there are things in the script that run counter to that. The movie's definitely, like, it's stuck in that 40s, you know, like, she walks in on him making out with Madonna and rather than say anything, she just, like, backs out the room and, like, waits for him to finish, which is like, oh, okay. Yeah, uh... I don't. I don't know that that character would have stuck with him. Um, at least, 
the character as embodied by her. Yeah, that role was uh, originally he uh, Beatty originally cast Sean Young of Blade Runner fame and Ace Ventura fame for that matter. Um, and uh, and come on, what are uh, you forgetting that she's in? I don't know. She's in lots of things. Stripes, uh, stripes, dude. She's in stripes. Oh, of course she's in stripes. Yes, of course she's in stripes. Um, that that could work. I could see that. Yeah, but. But they they pulled like a, a, a what's his face their uh, Back to the Future move which they shot with her for like a couple of days and then replaced her with Glenn Headley. Oh well, it is what it is. But yeah, it, like all of these people just show up in these like Seymour Cassell, who's just like Dick Tracy's like third banana cop, who's just like he just repeats everything Tracy oh, says yeah. and you know Tracy somebody's on the phone for you. You like he's just that guy, you know. Yeah. Uh, Charles Durning as the chief of police. So it, it's it's funny, like the people that you instantly recognize, despite the insane facial prosthetics and the people, or, or by their voice. Yeah, and then the people that you're like, that was that guy. Yeah, um, I mean, like Dustin Hoffman. I was like, I know that's Dustin Hoffman. Like, yeah. I know it is. Yeah. Oh yeah, um, yeah. But there were Dustin yeah, Hoffman. Like other people Dustin like, Hoffman I, doing yeah. like god level work in this movie with about six minutes of screen time. <laughs> He's got yeah. like two and a half when? scenes, and they are all every second of it is brilliant. I just don't. I don't even know what to do with how they got these these characters to be these tiny. I'm just gonna do this for ten minutes. It's like my favorite thing in the whole goddamn movie. I'm gonna start doing the Mars attacks. We can just riff. It's like it's our whole, we're, we're it's like we're scatting it's our whole, here. This is like it's, like, it's, free, it's freestyle jazz, man. <laughs> we have to stop this. We really do. <laughs> oh my god. We would we would lose both of the people who listen to us. Yeah, both of them. Yeah. Sorry, Jared. <laughs> yep. Jared and Jason. Yeah. Neither of our wives. <laughs> yeah, neither of our wives. Exactly. I actually enjoy. I mean. Part of this is uh, that Beatty just has clout, you know, in the night, especially in the early '90s. Like he was just a guy who to get people to show up for a day's work in his movie, and so I enjoy him getting a bunch of like famous gangster movie people to show up in this movie, even if it's just for a day. Like Paul Sorvino as Lips Manless to like die in the first three minutes to to grossly eat oysters and then die. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I really love that bit at the beginning where he's just slurping so down the gross. oysters, and they just like they take one plate away and they put the next plate down, and he doesn't even like break stride. It's so good. It's, yeah, <laughs> James Conn is another great example of that. James Conn showing up for like one scene. Um, it's and it's who, wait, just, who is James Conn? He's the guy who uh, is at the other end of the the table full of gangsters, and then he leaves, and his car gets blown up. Oh, that was James Caan. Yeah. Oh. So it's just it's just great to see the Corleone brothers in the scene again, you know? Yeah, like just just for the yeah. novelty of seeing the Corleone brothers in the in the scene again. Like that's the only reason he's there. I pulled up the IMDb at, towards the beginning of the movie because I just wanted to see who was going to be in it for any of the randos. And there were yeah. so many. Yeah. Mandy Patinkin as the piano player just to like sing songs and 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 play music with Madonna. Like it's great. And he has well, that so, real weird laugh too. Like there's like that one scene where he laughs and he's like, <laughs> it's, it's yeah, that so was... weird. We should talk about Madonna. Um, Cause obviously this movie is 
very much in love. This movie is so horny for Madonna. It's crazy. Um, which is understandable because Warren Beatty was uh, dating her at the time that they were making this movie. Uh, apparently, in fact, he proposed to her while they were making this movie. She said no. Uh, but <laughs> I am not as enamored with Madonna in this movie as this movie wants me to be. You know, like this movie just gives her every opportunity to just show up in a slinky dress and sing some songs and like stare into the camera and smoldering look into the camera and, you know, with a sultry, smoky voice. And like, maybe it's just because I've never been that into Madonna. Like, both as like a musician or as like a pop figure. Like, I was never really attracted to Madonna uh, in any in any particular way. I think she's fun in a league of their own, and that's probably about it. Yeah. But th- this movie is just really wants you to be, like, all about that Madonna life, and I'm just not. I just, uh, I get, whenever she's around, I get kind of bored, you know? Yeah, I'm not, I've never been into her either. Jenna had something interesting uh, to say about her. Um, Stephen Sondheim. Yeah. That's a get. Um, and so as for Madonna, Jenna's Jenna's thing to say was between Evita mm-hmm. and this, those are like these are some difficult vocal performances. Oh sure. And her singing and, is and amazing Jenna was like, for sure. Like yeah, the, and, the, the, and, the vocal and, performance. And Jenna was like Madonna's career for at least at that point in history was you know, cone bras and a lot of Lady Gaga shit. Yeah. She's got like I mean, she's got like a certain type of you know, on-screen presence, you know? Like, I don't think she's a bad actress. Um, no. I just think she's just not... Like, she doesn't have the gravitas that you need for, like, uh, like that kind of a femme fatale. I feel like the movie really wants uh, Tracy to be sort of genuinely tempted by her, you know? Uh, that that he that he has a genuine... Uh, uh, like push and pull between breathless versus Tess and like that, like, Oh mate, you know, he doesn't, that he doesn't know what to yeah. do and that he's actually interested in her and that there's like a, a, an actual connection there and a draw. And I just never see it. And maybe it's part so, because of Madonna and maybe it's part because every time she comes on to him, he just stares at her with this dumb fuck expression. Like he is completely bewildered. You, it's amazing. They were dating at the time. Maybe it's because they, she had turned him down, turned on his proposal at that point, but he never seems that he wants to fuck her at all. He just seems like he doesn't know what she's doing there. I didn't know that they were dating during this. And I'm actually really surprised to hear that because they have absolutely no chemistry. No, um, not at all. At least no, on, or, at least, or at least no on-screen chemistry. At the very least, I don't know what no, their lives together none. were like, but nothing. I mean, it's like they spend so much time trying to get you as an audience member to want Madonna that yeah. they don't devote any attention to his wanting Madonna. Yeah, um, like I don't feel any tension between between him and and the two female yeah no not at all and it's it's so frustrating because that would be great if there was like an actual sort of love triangle thing there like that would actually be great but instead it is so clearly like tess is so like beatific better she's so so wonderful it makes breathless feel like gross and slimy it's not like tess is the sweet one and breathless is the sexy one like i feel like that's what they're going for but none of that comes across You know, it's like no, Tess is no. great and Breathless is an asshole, but she's not like, evil, you well, know? Yeah, so this, 
like the effect on the movie is that it undercuts his actions when he succumbs to his yeah whatever feelings for her because it's like why are you kissing her it seems unmotivated yeah he, he looks like he's kissing um, her because the script told him to kiss her you know and like that's it exactly um, and, and so it, the fact that they're dating makes that so much worse yeah <laughs> and it's such a shame because i feel like like i said that it it feels like a huge missed opportunity you know because yes. you could have had like breathless is actually a really interesting character you know because yeah um like she's I, I buy that she is genuinely into Dick Tracy, you know, that it's not just that she's like a home wrecker or like she just wants to fuck him. Like I buy that she actually like breathless I, I, or Madonna? is like breathless. Like I like I the way okay. that the so way do that I the, Madonna, not so much. No, 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 no. But the way that the like the story plays it out is she doesn't want to like sport fuck him, you know, like she she's actually Spo- like attracted Yikes. to him. Um, yeah. <laughs> in which case. You know, when you get to the reveal at the end that she is Sergeant Thumb, um, like that actually makes <laughs> her character Thumpkin. like way more interesting because she, right. in, and that way she is like Tracy's equal. You know, like she was like pulling all of these strings and making all of these like power moves, and she is someone who like you know was up to. The, she wasn't just a pretty face; like she was smart and right. she could like take care of herself. Um, and like in that way, like in in that moment, then it becomes like, a, oh, that actually like I could kind of see how they could have been like a cool couple in a way, and like then you see like, oh, that could have been like a good. Like a nice draw, like like a genuine conflict for him between the two women, yeah. but instead, it just all of it just falls flat. It took me a while, but I finally figured out what the voice of Breathless is. It oh really yeah, took me a minute. Did you figure it out? It's I prin- did figure it's it out. Princess Leia from Return of the Jedi. <laughs> yes, it is. That is exactly correct. It's just, I was like, I know that fucking voice. What is that voice? It's it's the exact same like yep. vocal vocalizer effect. It's crazy. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I was like, what the hell? I know it. What is it? Do you think it would have been better, or it would have worked better, if they had given her a little bit more backstory or something? Yeah, I don't know what it is. I mean, I think it's, I mean, look, a stronger actress would have helped, for sure. Well, yes. But at the same time, like, you look at those other, like, you know, Basinger, Pfeiffer, Stone, like, they're all great actresses, and I'm sure that, like, Sharon Stone in 1990, I'm sure would have fucking killed it. But, you know, the other shoe there is... He got Stephen Sondheim to come in and write all these original songs that Breathless has to sing, and then that like has to carry a large portion of the movie. So you need someone who can fucking sing. Either that, or you end up having to dub over the actress, and that's like it's so much more interesting if you if that actor can actually sing those songs in the moment. You know, um, we should talk about the Sondheim element of it as well. Yeah, yeah, and I mean Sondheim, especially in 1990. Um... Yeah. I feel like, I mean, maybe this is just me not keeping up with the scene, but I feel like that's peak Sondheim. Um, yeah, probably. I'm not, I mean, I'm not a big musical guy, so like, I know, I know Sondheim. I know the shows that he's done, but I don't, I don't have encyclopedic knowledge of Sondheim uh, in, in locked away in my brain. Um, but I know he's, you know, a fucking legend um, and what it means to get yes. him. Cause he also doesn't do a lot of movies, you know, like unless he's been, yeah, you know, s- secretly doing like punch up, music for movies without taking credit but like you do not see his name show up in a lot of movies but uh, honestly like that's another one of those things that i was like meh like i could kind of do without the songs in this movie you know like they they don't do a lot for me i don't think any of them are like super great songs to be honest with you Uh, i 
I think they get a little repetitive um, because they, I don't think he wrote that many. There's there's like two or three. There's like a handful. Um, yeah, maybe maybe there's maybe five or whatever. But I mean, no, Madonna but I mean, put out they, a whole separate have... album that's called like I'm Breathless. It was like separate from the Dick Tracy soundtrack. That but it has a bunch oh, really? of the same songs on it. Yeah, it also has Vogue on it. Okay, the worst thing about this movie to me, I don't like Dick Tracy. I think he's a dick. Um, <laughs> That 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 character does nothing. Nothing about that character is endearing to me. He's a detective. Yeah. His priorities are kind of out of whack, and he's not good to people that he loves. Um, and like, I'm not gonna say he's an abusive boyfriend, but he's not a good boyfriend. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I, I think it's like, hobbled a little by it being 1990 emulating the 1940s. It's like a hat on a hat of problematicness. It's terrible. You know, like... Uh, I mean, like, he, he is far and away the least endearing character there is. Even the kid. Yeah. It, as an adult, the kid is less annoying. The kid is less annoying than I remembered. And yeah, I actually Tracy think the kid's pretty good. Way more annoying. Yeah, he's way more annoying than I remember. I actually, I love that they spend the whole movie, everyone only ever refers to him as Tracy. Yeah. Except for one time when he's <laughs> in the building that's going to blow up and Flattop and Itchy run out of the building and Itchy's just going, 30 seconds, no more dick. 30 seconds, no more dick. <laughs> I feel like I feel like at one point Pacino calls him Dick as a punctuation mark to something. <laughs> Just like once. It's so weird because he has. You think of the, the the dichotomy of that name. Like Dick is like it is that is manhood. Dick is manhood, and then instead that everyone calls him Tracy, which is a, a woman's name. Dick Tracy does not subscribe to your gender norms, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. No, Tracy. You're right. Tracy's Tracy's kind of a stuffed shirt. Like he's got that at the very beginning. He's got almost he's almost got kind of like a Batman detective like riff thing going like yeah. angle where it's like oh he's going to like the he's going to bring big boy in cuz of the walnuts and he's going to get fingerprints off the walnuts and and the thing with the tape recording and he's like he he's the only one who can understand mumbles and knows what he got on the tape recording or whatever and you're sort of, sort of like he feels like he's one step ahead but yeah at a certain point he just becomes like an Warren, empty-headed he Warren Beatty. Yeah, he just becomes this like guy, this you know, this guy who runs around and he he you know, whammo like punches out goons and and like that's it. He's got a yellow coat and the watch. The well, uh, like let's talk about the watch for a minute. <laughs> I so I remembered the watch. Some, I had my whole memory of the watch wrong. I thought the watch was a little TV. I don't know where I got that from. But. I don't know either. The Jetsons, maybe. The watch is maybe. great. I mean, that's a cool... That That's a great thing. Here's my question, though, because it's like... That's the one thing everybody knows about Dick Tracy, is that he had a radio watch, you know? That image was, like, so persistent. Like, even long after this movie fell out of the conversation, like, the idea of, like, the Dick Tracy watch was, like, still out there to the point that, like, when the Apple Watch came out and when smartwatches started to come out, like, that was the immediate... Like, without a moment's hesitation, like, that yeah. was the immediate comparison. It was like, yeah, it's like a Dick Tracy watch. You can actually have a Dick Tracy watch. Someone can call you, and you can answer on your watch, you know? So it's like, that's one of those, yeah. like, crazy, like, hey, science fiction come to life kind of things, you know? But it's like, you know, like, is it the chicken or the egg, you know? Like, would do they, do they include that functionality because everybody remembers the Dick Tracy watch? Or, you know, yeah. is it that something that would have happened anyway, and Dick Tracy is so ahead of its time, you know? Yeah, I mean the, the the watch is a cool thing, but also like kind of weird and random. Um, like, 
why wouldn't every detective have one of those? <laughs> right? <laughs> why does he have it? Why and then the he just gives one, one to the one kid, to the kid at the end. <laughs> that's fucking crazy. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, if that's your special superpower, that's your one James Bond thing. Yeah. Give one to this fucking kid? <laughs> what? Yeah, he's, he's nine. He can't take care of a watch. <laughs> no. He's going he's gonna to lose it or break it in the next two weeks. Or, or fucking pawn it. Yeah, he's like, going to get ice around. cream on it, and then it won't work anymore because it was a radio watch made in the 40s, so it means if you gave it a light tap, it probably broke into pieces. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, I don't know. Something like the watch, is, it's certainly a memorable thing, but also yeah. a lot of what the fuck. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's talk about the art. Yeah, look, um, you mentioned the matte paintings, uh, like the backgrounds. Yeah. Um, that's the, like I say, that's another one of those like big enduring things of this movie. And again, it's something that was like, I don't really, I didn't really remember how prevalent they were, um, until I rewatched it. And it's like, it's great. I actually fucking loved it. I think it was like my favorite, one of my favorite things in the whole movie yeah. is like the really like strong, unique visual style choice of using those matte paintings. Um, and I mean, it doesn't look realistic, but it, I don't care. Like it's not it's supposed no, to no, look no. realistic, it's, so it's fine, you know. It looks well, like pan, like comic panels, you know. Yeah. So this this is my this is the thing that I kept thinking about was, so this movie very much feels like if you took a cartoon or a comic and translated it, shot for shot, panel for panel, yeah, verbatim, into a movie, mm-hmm. right? And that's why you have these outlandish characters with facial prosthetics. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, what I'm, the thing that I catch myself wondering was I, so I, the art I think looks great. I think a lot of the shot composition is good. The yeah. colors are great. The, the colors are great. So the, the, all these like primary colors, yeah. like all those, the yeah. suits and the cars and everything. Yeah. And they made up, they made a great. distinct choice to make sure that everyone had these like bright primary colors. They're all using the like six, cause it was a six color comic strip that it came out. So it was like everyone, all those colors are the original six colors that the comic strip used back in the day. Yeah. So visually it looks great. The facial prosthetic thing is weird. It is. It is weird. Some and of them are more effective than others, for sure. Little, fa- little face. Or little face is, is amazing. Like, <laughs> that's so bizarre. I mean, it, like again, in a in, in a comic panel or a cartoon, that works just fine. Yeah. In like live action, it's that shit's weird. Um, yeah. And so I'm. Well, the question that I kept having was, if they had done this with the same art style but not done the weird cartoonish facial prosthetics would it have been better and i don't know i don't think so i like look the facial prosthetics i was gonna say i think they go hand in hand with like the matte paintings and the you know the the color palette and like i think they're all sort of of a piece and i think there's you know there's an argument to be made that some of them could have been done better um and that you know it would have been nice if you know if they had been made five ten years later you know it could have you know they were some, they were some though. of them might have been they, translated they absolutely, better hold on no they absolutely were made later then because then we got sin city well like, yeah as sin said, city, and sin city is the other one because you're talking about white you were talking about doing yeah. like a what if you did like a you know panel for panel recreation and that's basically what sin city is you know um yeah. and rodriguez did it all digitally basically you know it's like most of that movie is shot on green screen and then they just paint in the exact you know images in the background uh so that every, so that literally does match and match but yeah there's a lot of prosthetics and makeup and stuff in that movie as well you know that yellow bastard in particular um and even yeah. marv to a certain extent you know to a large extent he's yeah. got a big chin he does he has a very big chin 
So, I mean, I, I don't know if it's just because I've been watching next-gen era Star Trek my whole life, but that, like, I... I, I accept alien races with weird facial prosthetics. Sure. Fine. But when it's but when it's humans with weird faces like little face or little flat face. top, I'm like mm-hmm. some of that shit just doesn't it's Prune very... face. Prune face who Prune... was modeled to look like Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Prune face that one actually works just fine for me. I, don't I like Prune face. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Flat yeah, even flat top. Flat top's got like a weird cuz his head's really wide and his face is really narrow yeah. in the middle. Little face is the I mean, easily this is the one. Yeah, Little Face is amazing. I mean, there's only like one shot of him, but he's his face like that's the fucking look that you're like, Jesus Christ, it's it's incredible. You know what the weird thing about that really is, if you think about it enough, is I know that it's supposed to be like his head, as shown, is the same width as a normal head, and his face yeah. is really small. Yeah, but in reality, it's his face is normal size, and, and his head, head is, is gigantic. I know. <laughs> it looks like he's worried. He's, he's swimming in an ocean of fucking latex. It's, it's so bizarre. <laughs> I was like, "What am I looking at? What is wrong with that guy?" And then it cuts away because it's like, it's like it goes. You see everybody at the table, and then it just cuts into this close-up of like just his head, <laughs> which just looks like fucking, it takes up the whole goddamn frame. So it's so weird. And then it cuts back to the table. You're like, wait, where did the guy with the giant head go? <laughs> right, but it's not a giant head. It's normal sized head, tiny face. Oh my god. Uh, Pacino um, also is in a lot of like prosthetics here, uh, but they again because. Warren Beatty just like let Pacino do whatever the fuck he wants. Pacino uh, like helped design his own makeup and like look in this oh, movie. Oh, I'm shocked. Because I think in the original comics, Big Boy is called Big Boy because he's like a giant fat guy. Um, and so instead they like gave him a hunchback and then these like crazy nose and cheekbones and shit. Big Boy's my favorite thing in the whole fucking movie. Like without uh, even, uh, without even question. What about Dustin Hoffman? Yeah. Well, Dustin Hoffman's great. But he's only in it for five minutes, you know? Okay, like, fine, yeah. Pacino keeps me watching the movie because every time he's on screen, it's fucking magic, you know? It's like, yeah, I think, yeah. I'm, I'm convinced that he made up half of his dialogue. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The the running yeah, bit I, where I he just that too. Was... is making up quotes, quotations from famous people. I know, Fr- Franklin. <laughs> but, like, that, that whole end sequence when he's got uh, Tess uh, in the... Like, you know, the giant uh, clockwork building, wherever the fuck they are, the dam or whatever. And it's, it's, no, okay. That, and he's just that riffing endlessly. And he's like, wait, wait, I'm, I'm, I'm having a thought. It, it's coming. Yep. There's, nope, nope, it's gone. And it, like the movie stops for like three fucking minutes. It's like, what the hell? Yeah. He's saying nothing. He's saying nothing at yeah. all, but it's all fucking gold. So that's, yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree with you, but that scene drove me absolutely crazy. Um, because for a couple of reasons, number one, she like she would have resisted. Oh yeah, she no, she becomes nothing. very much a damsel at the end. Yeah, right. Which it feels very out of character to me. Um, yeah. For one thing. Second of all, that was neither a dam nor a clock. <laughs> it was, it was a just drawbridge. <laughs> no, it was a drawbridge. Oh, it was a drawbridge. That's drawbridges? right. Yeah, yeah. Do you know how long draw drawbridges take? No. To, to like go their full range of motion. I mean, a couple minutes, yeah. A minute or yeah. two, maybe. Well, it was the 40s. drawbridge, less. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, drawbridge technology, I don't think has changed that much. It's like big <laughs> gears and a... <laughs> but it's like, fair. Uh, it's very fair. Th- those gears just kept fucking turning yeah. for like 20 minutes. And I was like, yeah. this is 
It's the equivalent of the the giant airplane runway at the end of Fast and Furious Six, <laughs> just driving on a oh, runway yeah. for twenty minutes. Yep, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And I I liked how there was the bottomless pit that he fell into. Yep, in, mm-hmm. in the drawbridge, <laughs> which is you know fifteen feet off the water. Yeah, <laughs> like really, I liked the like solid seven and a half minutes before they get there, where it's just like him like hustling Tess like through all these like tunnels and back doors and shit, and it's just. Again, it's like they had all this footage and then they just put Pacino in an ADR booth and just let him riff and just kept it all and just kept it all. Like he's just he's just babbling endlessly and it's all there and it's fucking great. I will say uh, I feel like the end, the last 30, 40 minutes of the movie, like it's a little janky. It's weaker. Yeah, it's a little it's a little all over the place. Apparently, uh, there's a, a a cut of this movie that's like 30 minutes longer, um, mm-hmm. and Disney made him cut it down to under two hours, basically. Um, mm-hmm. And I bet that that longer cut, that like the end of the movie, the back half of that movie, probably plays a lot better in the longer cut because it just feels like the last half of the movie feels like there's a lot of montages. It just sort of jumps around a lot, and then it's just like it just like cuts to Dick Tracy just shoots the fuck out of everybody. Like, all of the villains basically drive out of a garage one at a time so Dick Tracy can mow them all down with a Tommy gun and then chase yeah. Big Boy and push him into a bottomless pit. Like, it's a, it's a little, like, scatterbrained. Yeah. It, 30 it's, minutes. It's a bit much. Yeah. Which is a shame because I really love everything up until that, you know? <laughs> I feel like we've been shitting on this movie a lot, but I really did like it, actually. Um, like, I will happily watch this movie again. I think it's actually a lot of fun. I think the first, like, hour of it is really, really great stuff. There's so much to love there that, I like, I, I'm on board, you know? Overall, a stronger showing. And it's pretty well-paced, especially at the beginning. It moves along just fine. It does. It um, really moves. I mean, it's not a home run, for sure, but there's so much to love there, you know, between the art direction and the, uh, like, I think it's got a really fun sort of, like, playful style for most of it. Like, like there's a, it's just, it's a fun movie for for most of the time, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, I could could do without some of the douchebaggery, get some of that. (laughs) And the thing is that, like, I honestly, with these, I'm, I'm not expecting any home runs. Yeah, um, fair enough. Because because if things were home runs, you and I would know about it already, yeah. and yeah. we wouldn't be choosing them for this. Podcast. We wouldn't be asking the question. Yeah, but so, I think I think this is a movie that like deserves better than it got. You know, I mean, and this movie made money. You know, like this was a hit when it yeah. came out for sure. Yeah. But it feels like it has really fallen out of the conversation. And I think this movie is something that people should absolutely take another look at. Um, it's currently on HBO. You can you can watch it right now. So yeah, no, I mean, does it hold up? I think it. I think it does. Yeah. Um, in, in the, the balance, in the that, like I said, there's there are issues, yeah. but in the balance, I think it's I think it's absolutely. I think it's a winner. I think this is like a real winner. Every five minutes, there is either, like, a stunning matte painting, like, really fascinating, I just want to sit and stare at it for five minutes image, or there is some instance of crazy facial prosthesis, uh, or there is Al Pacino being a fucking psychopath. (laughs) I feel like there's a version in the... That's not in the back of my head. Now it's in the front of my head. There is a version of this movie where everyone is a Muppet. (laughs) <laughs> it's voiced they're all they're they're all voiced by the same people who made this movie but they're muppets you could just do a shot for shot remake of this movie with the audio track and just do it all just dub the audio track over muppets it would be better than this movie 
Um, no, it would. I mean, think about think about it. same archer, same general yeah. art, but and but and same voices, same performances, but Muppets. Like oh, now, I'm picturing it with 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 Kermit the Frog as Dick Tracy and Miss Piggy I as know. Breathless, and like yeah, I know. I'm way into that. <laughs> It'd be amazing. Seymour Cassell would be Fozzie. Mandy Patinkin would be Rolf. I mean, this this movie is writing Ab- itself. Absolutely. Why aren't we making Who's... this movie? <laughs> <laughs> Who plays Big Boy? That's the only one that's 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 the one that's because there aren't a lot oh, of Muppet villains. No, easy, easy. It's Gonzo. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, it's probably Gonzo, right? It's it's absolutely Gonzo. Yeah, Gonzo doesn't need the fake nose, at least. <laughs> no. <laughs> and the backup dancers are, are the chickens. Yes. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> guys, the, the two guys, 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 this is amazing. <laughs> guys, we're making this movie. Somebody buy me a bunch of uh, Muppet toys, and I will shoot this in my garage right now. <laughs> who owns the Muppets right now? Who Disney. Owns, who Disney owns, owns them. them. Di- it's fucking Disney. It's all the Do same it. house. Oh man, do it! They've got the Disney, money. Disney, what are you do waiting it. for? We're spinning you gold here. All right, we're you know what? We're gonna launch a social <laughs> media campaign. Muppet Dick Tracy, like, like that should be a show. Like it should be a TV show. Like every week for thirty minutes, it's just like the Muppets recreating thirty minutes of like a cut down version of a movie you know with all of the audio dubbed in, and it's just the Muppets acting it out. That's perfect. That's a hit. Yeah, that is. I would watch every hit. week. I would watch that every week. This is the best idea we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Jesus Christ. Ugh. All right. Anyway. Well, that wraps right. it up for this week. Uh, tons of fun as always. Bart, a pleasure. Catch you next next week. Same danger time. Same danger time. I'll uh, ring you on my Dick Tracy watch. Or Zoom. Or Zoom. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll Zoom. We should start doing yeah. fun backgrounds while we Zoom. No one else will know, but you and I will know, and that'll be enough. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, be sure to tune in next week where we'll be talking about Flight of the Navigator. Uh, in the meantime, stay healthy, stay safe, stay the fuck at home. Have a lovely evening and a fantastical tomorrow. Ah, ah,